In a world where one woman locks herself inside a quiet studio and doesn't come out until the podcast is done, welcome to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed, a place you can get connected with Donna and her friends and listen in on some great conversation. Thankfully, unlike the intro you just heard, it's a drama-free zone. You're welcome. Now, as we listen to a bit of music from the amazing Mark Sparrow to lead us in, it's my pleasure to introduce the one, the only, Donna Reed. Hello again. Welcome to my little corner of the world known as Spotlight Conversations. Love to talk to these friends of mine and their careers in media. Could be music, could be books, could be radio, could be television, could be podcasting. Appreciate all the new listeners letting me know that uh, they're enjoying the program of Spotlight Conversations. Find out more at my website, spotlightconversations.com. I'm also on Instagram, a couple places, at Donna Reed VO and at Spotlight Conversations. And my guest today is Todd Waits, who is an audiobook narrator, does a lot of audiobooks, a lot. Of course, I have a lot of questions. I did find out that if you're a voiceover artist doing audiobooks, it's a little bit different, but we're, we're going to get to that. First, Todd, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Donna. But I had some questions about doing an audiobook, and you were so nice by explaining how long does it take to read this this audition? And um, I'm so used to doing promo work and commercials where it's like, you know, two 30 seconds, two 60 second spots and you're done. But audiobook auditions, let's start at the beginning, okay. um, is is very different than doing commercial reads or any other type of voiceover work. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really unique because, you know, <clears throat> with um, with a commercial spot, say a 30 second spot, mm-hmm. it's bam, you got to get right to the point. <laughs> you got to get it done and you got to get everything they want, you know. I'm sure you know a 45-second commercial in a 30-second spot. Right. you got to get it through. Salesman, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, audiobooks, it's a much slower-paced read because you're, you're telling a story, you know? And the way I like to tell everybody, imagine you're telling a story to your best friend, hmm. you know? And you're not trying to hard sell anybody. You know, you're, you're taking the, uh, the author's work and breathing life into it. Ah. So um, auditions, uh, a lot of auditions, there'll be snippets throughout the book. It won't be one long, continuous five-minute passage. Oh, I see. Because they'll want to hear how your narration works, how your character voices work, and like dialogue between a male and a female will work. Now, how how do you do that when you have dialogue between male and female? Do you change you change your voice? Or, I mean, I know you don't, but I mean, how does that work? Yeah, you um, when you're doing your prep, you'll look for any clues that the author gives you about a certain character. Oh, okay. Okay, and the the you know whenever they introduce a new character, they'll describe the character usually give a little bit of information about it. And what I do, I'll take that information, and um. Kind of think of like a, a TV star, a movie star, something that kind of character that kind of fits that. And it's not so much about the voice. 
is about the mannerisms, the pattern of speeches that the character has. So, yeah, you'll soften your voice. You'll lighten it up a little bit for a female. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to go into a falsetto and trying to do an impersonation of a female. But give the character life because, you know, the, the listener knows I'm not a female. Right. And um, But if I do the character consistent enough and not a caricature, they'll understand that that's the female character that's being spoken about. So when you're doing these audiobooks, and we'll talk about training in a minute, um, that voice that you're first giving the female for you and your case, mm-hmm. you have to remember that throughout the book. Yes. Um, How do you do that? I, I use Reaper as my doll to record. I'll start a second project. I'll have two projects open. One will be where I'm actually recording the, bo- the book. Whenever I come across a new character and I'll record that voice, I'll take 30 seconds of that voice, copy it into my second project where I have all the voices on it. There you go. So, you know, if a character picks up in chapter six, then I get to chapter 35. Oh, who is that character? What did, you know, what did that person sound like? I just go to my other project, search for that name and boom, listen to it. And there it is. There is a skill to doing an audiobook. <laughs> now, when I first started talking to you and you had an audition and I remember getting it and, it, oh, I'm, I was, it took me forever to do it because I was reading it over and over again. And I, I remember messaging you and go, how long does it take? And you're like, well, about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, just reading it through. I was like, okay, pass. Wait, I think, it, <laughs> wait. Now, is that getting to the point where you can read those auditions quickly? Does that come through training, experience, both? Yeah, it would, it would definitely be both. Training, when you go through that, it'll teach you how to prep the script and how, what to look for in the script, you know, uh, what point of view it is, what the characters are doing, you know, little things like that. But the actual reading of the book, that is where the experience comes in. When new narrators start, it'll take you maybe six to eight hours of actual work time to create one hour of audio. And... I'm between like two and a half to three and a half hours, depending on the subject matter of the book. Now, this is when you're actually, you've got the gig and you're doing the work. Correct. This is past the audition process. Okay. It'll also, it'll also apply to the audition as well. Okay. You know, like a five minute audition might take 30 minutes or so, which is, you know, your six to one ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, Newer narrators that are taking longer might take an hour, hour and a half. Um, I think I read somewhere somebody was taking several hours to do a five-minute audition. Yeah, that's inexperience. Yeah, exactly. Or being too nervous about doing it and having it be perfect. Because basically, from what I'm getting from you, the author who you're primarily working with wants to hear how you bring his or her characters to life. Correct, yes. Did you work in radio? I did not. I did a lot of uh, live sports announcing first. Did you? Now, this is yeah. so different from that. How did you, it, I guess the next question was, is training? Announcing is, I mean, polar opposites to audiobooks. Um, that's one of the biggest things is people read way too fast. I have a little note pasted on my monitor that says, slow, slow down. down. Yeah. Do you think we read fast to ourselves? 
I know I do. I read a whole lot faster mm-hmm. just sitting out reading than I do narrating. You're trying to tell the story. So you don't want to be rushing through it. I mean, if you're rushing through the story, you know, even if it's even if it's just a nice little story and you're sitting there talking like this, you know, the listener's going to be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, something's happening. What is it? What is it? And it's kind of hard to sustain that that intense level the entire book. And you'll just get exhausted listening to somebody who talks that fast. Now, who did you train with? Um, Pat Fraley and Scott Brick. Um, and did, you know, they're the main ones. And then also some, um, you know, monitoring some webinars and, you know, some of the classes like that and some online stuff as well. When you did the training, the first time you walked away from training, you finished it, you went to do your first book or maybe it was your second by that point, you know, you've been doing a couple. Okay. How did you feel going into the studio after all the training? I've done a few books, maybe five or six books that um, now I wish I could disown. And um, after the training, you sit down and you're like, wow, I didn't know that there was so much that I didn't know. (laughs) Whenever some of the new narrators come on to the Facebook pages, what do I need to do it? Everybody says training, coaching and, you know. And some people freak out. Well, I can't afford that. I'm just starting this. You know, I can't afford it. My next question is a resistance to it because of perhaps cost, because they're vulnerable. What do you think? I think they've got in their head that coaching is going to be super expensive. Like if you go for a commercial demo, you know, that, (laughs) you know how expensive a commercial demo is. Mm -hmm. An hour with a good coach, maybe $100, $150. It is way worth it. I mean, I can't imagine now not having any training and just trying to bumble my way through it for the, all these years. Now, do you have to have refresher training? Like every five or six books, you'll call a coach and go, hey, I need to go over this. Yeah. Um, if I'm between books, I'll, um, you know, pop over to Pat Fraley's website. He's got a bunch of work at home courses does, yeah. that works great for me. Since I'm between books and everything, I'll, you know, jump up there, buy a course, and wow, I didn't know that. That's great. I, you know, it's a different way of looking at it, and I wish I would have done that, you know. It's a constant training type thing to get improved. I mean, you know, one of the things we always say, even Michael Jordan had a coach. Actors seem to have a better time with this, with audiobooks. Agree? Disagree? Uh, definitely agree, because it is acting. All voice work is, to some extent, acting. And with an audiobook, one of the little stumbling blocks that some actors may have just coming in is in an audiobook, you're playing every role. True. Not just the one role that, you know, you were cast for. So that's one of the little differences that some um, actors have trouble with. But they have a much better advantage at the beginning because they understand how to create a character, how to work that character through the story. But so. it's different for them, too, because in acting, you have an audience and you're working with so many people. When you're doing an audiobook and you're an actor, you're in a room. As we know, if you've done radio, if you've done sports announcing, most of the time you're by yourself. Right. Especially stage actors. They're mm-hmm. used to that instant feedback from the audience. And whereas, you know, with an audiobook, once you finish your work, it may be two weeks to two months before the book is released. So you don't know how the audience is going to react to it. 
Do you think, um, getting back to the one person doing all the roles, as the audiobook business changes, as most businesses do, will there be you do a part, I do a part, she does a part, he does a part, and then they mix it all together? Yeah, it, that's um, it's very big right now. Um, How does that work? Mainly it's the um, the big publishers that are doing it. Uh, Random House, uh, Tantor Media, because they've got the um, the engineers with the experience to do it, and um, it's it's really really difficult to do a full cast audiobook. Yeah. Because you know the, the different narrators come in, they record their pieces, and then the engineer has to take all those pieces, put it together, work on the sounds, you know, because. Some narrators will talk louder than others, and so the levels have to be worked out. So it's like a play. Exactly. If you get to one, an audiobook, where they'll do that, they'll have music, they'll have sound effects, things like that. You know, those go into what's called an audio drama, which is like the old radio plays. Right, the 40s. 40s. Yes. But what's really big right now, especially in like um, the romance genre, dual narration, where Mm -hmm. the point of view switches from the male character to the female character. They'll have a male narrator do the chapters from his perspective and a female narrator do her chapters. I wonder what the listener thinks about that. They love it. That way you don't have the male narrator trying to be a sultry female. A little difficult. Especially especially you get into the steamier scenes. Uh So they've got the woman's perspective from that and the male's perspective from his side. The logistics of doing it, though. Say we did a book like that together. So well, it, go ahead. Well, in, in Duel, I'm doing the entire chapter from the male perspective, including the female voices. Oh, okay. Got it. Sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're leading into is what they call duet narration, where the male reads all the male dialogue and the female reads all the female dialogue. Logistically, how do they do that? I mean, the author breaks down the whole book into script A and script B, and then they mix it with these brilliant engineers would put all them. Yeah, the engineers would do that. Um, You know, each one would get their script and they'd be highlighted with which parts they read and the other. And and that is really, really difficult. Duet is pretty easy because you've just got, you know, an entire chapter to work with. But once you start having to interpose dialogue between this file and this file and this file and this file, it's really difficult. You've spoken to a lot of audiobook narrators, new ones, existing ones. And can you give me the name of the Facebook page in case someone listening wants also, oh, hey, I have questions about audiobooks. The the big one is the uh, indie audiobook narrators and producers. Yeah. There's um, a page for Findaway Voices narrators who narrate for Findaway. Um, one, another big one is just ACX narrators. Even though those are for ACX, which is the... Audible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. indie indie site where people get on it. Um, there are a lot of uh, you know big time narrators in there that do for all the big publishers. So I mean it runs the gamut from the person who just bought their microphone to some people who've done you know six hundred to a thousand audiobooks. Now we were talking earlier about um, new audiobook narrators, and when you say training and coaching, it's like <gasps> I'm not sure. What, what do you hear from people when they're just starting out, aside from coaching that throws them off? The tech side of it, working mm-hmm. in your, your DAW, your digital audio workstation, um, 
and getting the audio to meet the specifications that it needs to be. Because okay. it's, it's a totally different world from narrating. Um, so that's a problem. Um, and usually just starting out, they don't have a very good recording space. So they've got a lot of background noise that they're trying to deal with. And since they don't really understand the engineering part, they go real heavy-handed on it to get rid of the noise, but then that introduces artifacts into the audio. And, you know, so a lot of people end up asking for help at that point. But you've done audiobooks for quite a while. Yes. And the um, engineering aspects, making sure it's a clean sound when you're recording. Have you been doing this five years, ten years? I think I'm coming up on eight years. A lot has changed yes. as far as processing, because ACX was the only game in town, I believe. Right. And and there's a way that you have to make sure that sound is clean using what they have available. The issue that a lot of new narrators have, they see the specs from ACX. You can absolutely get your audio to meet all of those specifications, mm-hmm. but it still sounds pretty bad. Because they're just looking at numbers, trying to make sure that their files meet these numbers without understanding how to make the audio cleaner and its best. So what I did very early on is I hired an engineer, George Whittem, to build me my effects stack. I sent him a sample of my audio. Very nice. He developed uh, all the compressors, the limiters, the expanders, got all those set up exactly for me in my space send it back to me, so now I don't have to worry about that unless I change something in here, which I uh, don't think I'm going too much. So, But that's the best way. I had a professional set up the, the tech side of it, so I don't have to worry about it. I like that. Explain your studio. Like most new narrators, I started off inside my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I had a teenage son who couldn't <laughs> shut a door without slamming it. <laughs> I have one of those too. <laughs> and my wife got tired of me yelling. So she said, build something in the backyard. Not good for your narrating voice. <laughs> what I've done is I bought an 8 by 12 building, a wooden building, and did all the finish out work inside myself with all the insulation, the soundproofing materials, the um, sheetrock, the uh, audio panels, and then the acoustic foam inside. It's pretty close to where I want it. It's, it's really, it's nice and dead, but I don't know if you can hear that, but there's a plane coming over. So It can be too dead, though. You don't want anything right. too dead, right? Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. But I still get a little bit of outside noise, so uh, I got a little bit more tweaking to do. Luckily, I, I am pretty far out of the city. I'm on almost an acre, so my uh, my studio is in the, the middle of my backyard. So I don't have a lot of that going around, but a lot of other narrators come in and, you know, they've got small children. So they can only either record early in the morning while they're asleep exactly. or at night while they're asleep or, you know. We find a way. Exactly we right. So. I'm talking with Todd Waits, audiobook narrator. 45 books and counting you've, you've done already. I've just submitted a couple more. So we're getting close to 50. Should be 50 here not too long for now. What is your process for doing an audiobook? What happens? Do you pick the book you want? Does somebody search you? And say, hey, would you read for me? It's a combination of both. I haven't auditioned for anything on ACX in a while. I've gotten a couple other smaller publishers that I've gotten a relationship with. So they'll send me an audition, say, hey, you know, the author might like this, so I'll do that. 
I've got personal relationship with other authors, and they've given me a bunch of their books. But when I get a book, the first thing I do is have to read the book because you got to know the story if you want to tell the story. How long does it take you to do that? Depends on the book. Usually I can knock the reading out in, you know, two or three nights. But I'm also going through there and annotating any words that I need to check the pronunciation of. I'll search the script for the word accent. That way, as soon as a character pops up, it says he said in his southern accent or um, a funny story. Another narrator said they were in the final chapter of the book and the author wrote such and such said in his deep Scottish brogue or something like that. <laughs> and they didn't read the book, so they had to go back and redo all that character's lines. But can you do a Scottish brogue? I can do a little bit, not very much. And there, Whenever I try to do the Scottish, it always ends up Irish for some reason. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Does the author ever come to you and go, mm, no, or, oh my gosh, that's so good. I want you to do all the books I have with a book. If I'm doing the book, I won't do it that heavy. I'll just do it a little bit, you know, trying to get the impression of the oh. accent. Just give it the hint of the accent. And they're happier with that, you think? Yeah, because okay. the only thing worse than not doing an accent is doing a bad one. <laughs> so you you don't want to get into the point where it's a caricature. Like, you don't want to be talking like the Irish, you know, the little guy from the Look at Charm cereal. Yeah. You don't want to go that far with it. Put a little trill in it every now and then. Most of the work on things like that is done by the author. Because the author will say, you know, he said in his rich Irish voice, or, you know, something like yeah. that. So the listener already knows they have an Irish accent. So you put just a little taste on there, and ah. they, they'll identify with it. And does training help with that? Yeah. Yeah. PJ Oakland, for one, he's a master yeah. at yeah. dialects and things like that. So, But, yeah, I try not to... Um, you hear the wind did, outside? <laughs> I did hear that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was you or me. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not in Kansas, so I don't know what it is. But anyway, go ahead with your story. Anyway, if there's a book and they've got certain accents that I know I can't do very well. If it's a significant portion of the book, I'll just say, nah, I'm sorry, that's not really in my wheelhouse. I wouldn't do it justice. I had one recently where one of the main characters was an Italian. You know, I don't want to come off as, you know, like from Goodfellas, you know, something. So I said, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it justice. And that's one of the hardest things to learn is, you know, when you got to say, hey, no, sorry, I can't do that. Have you ever had a book that's not well written, or you just didn't feel a flow to it where you could understand it and express yourself the way you wanted to, to the reader. Yes. Um, especially if you're doing the indie books, you're going to come across some that aren't exactly well written. You do your best, especially if the, the, the writing is very stilted. Like I had one book very early in my career. As I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, did this author use a thesaurus instead of a dictionary when writing this book? I mean, it, it, it was, you know, that far off from normal speech. That's the hard thing is to take bad writing, but try to make it good audio. But it, you can't touch the words, obviously. No. You have to leave it. Yeah. Have you ever flat out after going into two or three pages, maybe a chapter, and said, nope? Yes. Just can't do it. Yeah. I was doing one, it was like that. The writing was really bad. The sentences were like a paragraph. Mm. So I had to sit there and go through and try to, okay, do I breathe here? Can I breathe here? <laughs> um, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. And the the text 
on like page three doesn't match what the character was doing on page one. I just said, I can't do this. Yeah. So you have a genre that you're very good at. Explain what that is. I'm really, really enjoying nonfiction books at the moment. Been working with this one author on his memoirs. They're going really good. They're very easy to read. Once it's easy for me to read, you can hear it in the in the final product. Exactly. Rather than the other side where you're forcing yourself to make it sound great. Is there more nonfiction than fiction? Right now, no, there's, there's more fiction. In fact, I was looking at some information from... Uh, the Audio Publishers Association. Nonfiction is ranked fourth is in the genres. General fiction, science fiction, and mysteries and thrillers make up their 45% of and all audiobooks out there. Romance, too? Romance is down. They mm-hmm. make up like 6%. But that's romance is probably the fastest growing genre out there right now. So what are you working on right now? I just finished up another of the um, memoirs, Simon King, about his days as a uh, maximum security guard in a prison. I'm taking a short break at the moment because I've been working straight for two years, almost every night, every weekend on all these books trying to get out. So I'm taking a little break right now. Um, I've got another book that as soon as I finish my break, I'll get the script from the author and start prepping and start recording on that one probably next week or week after. It's a very time-consuming process, and I think anyone, um, before you actually do an audiobook, even celebrities who are doing their memoirs um, by themselves, and maybe they don't want to hire somebody to do it, I think even they would agree, well, there's more to it than I thought, and these are my words. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's very time-consuming. In fact, some of the um, the Facebook pages, groups, we see that quite often. It's like, I finished my first book. Wow, it took so long. And it, it really does. You know, like commercial, like you said, you come in, 30 minutes, you can whip out five or six different yeah. spots. But it takes, you know, two weeks to do an audiobook. That That's at a good pace. Get it two done. weeks. Oh, okay. Two yeah. weeks would be. Um, some take longer, some take shorter, depending. And like... I did a book on um, political rhetoric during the 1896 presidential campaign. Not exactly thrilling stuff. That took a little bit longer than it does something else, just because it it is a dry read, and you're trying to make it entertaining and, you know, understandable to the listener. How long did it take you to do that one? Maybe a little over three weeks on that one, just because, you know, your brain starts hurting after about an hour of reading. <laughs> I was going to say, and then you have to basically, you can only do an hour or two a day. Or how, how, is that how you work? I've got a day job, so I come home. Now I'll, I'll record from about 7 o'clock to 9.30 at night. In two and a half hours, maybe get 45 minutes to an hour's worth of completed audio. Oh, so you're recording it and then going yes. back and editing. Right, after so- you finish all the all the recording. I'll edit afterwards. The commercial, you know, the competitiveness of, you know, a commercial spot out there trying to land one. It's really, really competitive. It's really lucrative if you land them, mm-hmm. but it's really competitive. The audiobook, there is far less competition for them. It may not be as lucrative, but if I'm doing a royalty share book, I've got seven years of guaranteed residual income off of that one book. 
and it could go even longer if the you know if it's still selling well the author decides to keep it up now royalty share is if i write a book and i don't pay you to record it but it does well and it sells a lot of books i give you half right that the that's the t- that's that's the okay. typical rate the distributor audible itunes whoever they'll take their share you know the other half the author and the narrator will split words of advice for new audiobook narrators that are listening and they want to be Todd. (laughs) Do not expect this to make a lot of money really, really fast. Thank you for just putting that out there. I I think it's so important. I know what the next one's going to be, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, you know, especially these last two years where so many people at home, so many people were jumping into it. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of people putting out false videos out there on YouTube and whatnot. You can make $400 an hour just reading. People do yes. that? Yes. yes. <laughs> a lot of people get in think, thinking, you know, hey, I get a microphone, I get a book, I read it, boom, $400 an hour. Great. Um, yeah, that's not how it happens. But uh, it's like everybody says, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Get coaching. Get training. I've got a trite little saying that I tell everybody, you got to know how to do the job before you can do the job. <laughs> that's great advice. One other little thing that bothers me, people say, oh, I took this book so I can learn how to do this. You know, Uh it's not going to be a big seller. I knew that, but I needed the practice. This is an author's work. This isn't something they want somebody to practice on. Exactly. I mean, would you hire an electrician who says, I'll come in, I won't charge you much, but I need the practice in wiring a house. (laughs) So it's almost better to do the coaching part first. Yes. And then go into it. Yes. I build the studio, make sure you have all of the equipment you need, so on. Yeah. Sean Allen Pratt, great coach, great Ooh. narrator. He has a video that's been out on YouTube, gosh, seven, eight years now. So you want to be an audiobook narrator. I've seen it. It's great. You know, we direct new people to that who are interested in it because what he tells you to do before you buy any equipment, sit in your closet, read out loud for two hours. And then do it all week. After that week, and you still want to do it, then it's time to start moving forward. Listening to audiobooks is also helpful. Would you recommend that too? Oh, absolutely. I, I've learned so much listening to other other narrators out there. Yeah, it, it's not only do you learn something from them about their techniques and how they narrate, but also industry standards. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of new narrators saying. There's a picture in there. Do I narrate the picture? Do I describe the picture? No, you never hear that in, a, in an audiobook. If someone wants to hear your work, where do they go? You can go to uh, my website, toddwaitsvoice.com, or you can, you know, search for me on Audible. And, you know, with um, things like ACX, you're considered a producer, not a narrator, because you have to provide retail-ready audio. Exactly, yeah. Now, if you go to one of the big publishing houses or even the smaller ones that I work with. You just provide the audio. They do all the mastering. But you have to make sure it's correct uh, words and you, yeah. have, you know, that part of it. But as far as making all the sounds, take, you know, the sound of the dog or the, you know, the car or the plane in the background, they'll take that out. Right, yes. Uh-huh. So they do all the technical side of it. You just read for them. But if you're doing the indie route, you're everything. You're the narrator, the producer, the engineer, and everything. It's a lot. It is. I can't wait to hear some of your new work as well. 
And thank you very much for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.